Hello and welcome to the Ecclesia Podcast, a place where we share in stories and conversations about what it means to live in holistic Christian missional community. I'm your host, Jeremy Schrader, and this week we're continuing our series about worship. If you've joined us in person on Sundays at our downtown or Westside campus, you know that we've been talking about remembering and what it means to remember in the context of worship. We remember stories, we remember the Bible, we remember where we've come from and how remembering those stories actually remembers us puts us back together and allows us to remember who God is and what he's done. So that as we go into our lives, we we have the opportunity to to think about the ways that he will continue to show up for us. And so this week we wrapped up our series on remembering with our Mother's Day sermon. And so Chris and Sean decided to sit down and just give us a little recap about what they talked about, what some of their takeaways were from the series, and, and to give you a little insight into what their thought process was as we walked through the series together. So without any further ado, here's Chris and Sean. We get to hang out again. Yeah. <laughs> they pay us to do this. I know. It's, we're it's normally great. talking to other people and we get to talk to each other. That's cool. So we, we, uh, we're just wrapping up a series on remembering for our community, which is probably a little bit odd for most folks who've been around church for a while or around the Bible. That's not a topic that that comes up. Um, so let's talk a little bit about why memory is so important and remembering is so important. Like I've, I've used in multiple sermons, um, Ara Nazarian's book, Big Gods, and how he talks about through all these sociological studies and psychological studies, that really what drives human behavior is not a commitment to the behavior, but remembering your commitment to the behavior. And uh, earlier this year, I read Atomic Habits, which I know a lot of people have read. And so, you know, he's just walking through like how people make habits that stick and not atomic on the big scale, but atomic like on the small scale. And much of it just comes down to remembering. So like you walk into a building and you're going to see somebody on the fourth floor. Right. And he says, what you have to do is remember, like, what does a person who's fit do? Well, a person who's fit takes the stairs. Um, and so it's like kind of for me popping up all over the place. My friend Casey Tigert wrote a book about three years ago called As I Recall, which is about the role of memory and spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. But like looking back over the last several weeks, like for you, like what's been important for our community to hear about remembering and the role of memory and what's how's that shaped you you know it's been the the part that's been fascinating for me is exactly what you're saying it mostly things we already know but being called back to it right there have been a few people and this has been interesting to me that have come up that are still probably rooted in the old school because what we were taught early on was it's actually the information that's going to change you right so christianity boiled down to like we're going to give you these four propositions. And if you got the four propositions, you're a Christian, right? They ignored that part of the Bible where it's like even the demons could quote the propositions, right? But whatever it was, like if you knew the propositions. So I have had a, I've had a couple of people like, well, if you didn't learn it to begin with, then how can you remember it, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's all information, then that's part of it, right? I mean, Christian is in this process as a part of being a junior right now, right, to decide what finals he gets to opt out of right and he's basically decided history and anatomy because 
at his school, they basically boil down to memorizing facts that he's going to forget. Mm-hmm. So he's like, if I, j- I can memorize all those things, it just takes time. And then I'm going to forget them because what Sam Weinberg says, the Stanford professor that I love wrote this book called historical thinking and other, other unnatural acts. And he basically just said, you remember story. You don't remember propositions mm-hmm. or you remember propositions when they're a part of a story, right? So when you remember there's a story to somebody living on the fourth floor and that's why they're fit. And that's, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden these things start to fit together. So I think it's been fascinating for us to really embrace, like we're all living in this Christian narrative and the narrative looks different. And when we lean into it, it's not a brain exercise as much as it is a body exercise, right? It's, we're going back to some of our theology of the body. How do we live in this rhythm that our life reflects it? Um, and that's why coming to worship and communion and this weird thing we do with teaching. And uh, I mean, our bodies are involved in the ways that we worship. All those things have been really, really helpful uh, to lean into. So it's been fun to hear people's stories along yeah. the way. What about you? Yeah, well, I think it's like, you know, you mentioned the theology of the body. And one of the great takeaways for that for me was like, your body is where your will is enacted. And your will, your body actually just has habits. Like people who you get used to waking up in the morning at a certain hour, like I wake up early. It's hard for me to sleep past that hour, right? Um, and so like all of that's just inhabited in my body. It's, it's a function of memory. And the reality is like, I don't personally have a great memory. So I outsource a lot of my memory to apps, to rhythms. Like this is what we do on a certain time because it, those things help me rem, help remind me like, okay, this is who I am. Plus, you know, there is this, like you have to learn something before you can remember it. So that's why like, the ancient church catechumens, right? Before you were baptized, that's when you were taught. Yeah. And so you, you left the worship service according to, you know, to Justin Martyr before the teaching moment, because the teaching moment was about reminding the church who they were and you needed to get catechism. You needed Mm -hmm. to get the basics. But what we know now from like psychology and uh, spiritual development, adolescent development, like we're kids and like Rochelle and I took this very seriously with our girls as seriously as we could. Like their values are set. Our values are set by the time that we're three and what you're doing the rest of your life is playing off of those values, mm. right? So most of what you do in your life, most of what most of us do in our lives is not working off of new information, uh, but recentering ourselves on those values. Like this is important and that's why it's important. I, I remember, um, you know, our, our youngest daughter just was named a section leader in her, in her chorus. And a lot of that has to do with her attitude. And she gave the speech because they all had to give a speech because it was an election. And, and she talks about, she talked in her speech about knowing every kid in the whole course, their names. Hmm. Like, it's important for me to know your name. And like freshmen came up to her after. It's like, do you really know my name? And she's like, yeah, you're so-and-so. Well, like that goes back to a value. Yeah. Um, she learned names because of a value that we held in people. And she'll be playing that out the rest of her life, right? Um, so I wanted, you know, in this series particularly, and it's not just me and you and whoever else is teaching, like dodging responsibility, like, hey, we're going to read some stuff. We're going to tell you, you know, preaching is like sharing what we've learned, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
like it's not about you coming away with notes. Yeah. But it's like it's you coming away centered. Yeah. Right? Who you are, who God is, and who you are because of who God is. Like that's that's why it was important to me. And I also wanted folks to know, like, okay, we sing. Why do we do that? There's a teaching moment. Why do we do that? We we tithe. Why do we do that? Yeah. Um, the, and all of this has to do with being who we were created to be. And every time we remember, I remember uh, sociologists, psychologists saying, like, when you remember something, you actually don't remember it. You remember the last time you remembered it. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yep. so, and so the fidelity of memory actually creates the kind of behaviors and outcomes that people in our community say they want for their lives. And it's not yeah. me saying they need to be this way or you saying they need to be this way. It's like, this is who you said you, you wanted to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And for us, that's part of where there's a lot of places. Every church is imperfect. We quote it all the time, the Bonhoeffer quote, right? Mm-hmm. That if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. Like, there's a lot in every church. What I love about this church I love our commitment to mission. I love the fact that on Easter we get like we're hearing stories from Turkey because we think it matters. But what I, I think I love most is that I think people in general have a sense they can be who they really are. Yeah. Right. Because it's the duplicitous part. Like you got more to remember. It's like when you're if you lie to your spouse, right? Like my father-in-law famously used to skirt off to the movies because he just wanted time alone, right? <laughs> and he wouldn't want to say, like, hey, I was at the movie. So later on, a, a movie receipt would pop up. I'm like, oh, you weren't really working. You were at the movies, right? And it, it's a small thing, right? But you start lying about you're at the movies or you're, like, it's a lot to keep up with. And in a religious life, like, you're like, am I allowed to drink or not drink? Or can I tell these people that I'm, like, it, all of a sudden, you got all this stuff to keep up with. My hope and prayer and I, I do hear it from time to time at our church. Like, I can be who I really am. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do the extra exercises of trying to fake it. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that well, right, and in our preaching and in the stories that we tell, say, hey, we want to hear your real life because that's where, that's where the rubber meets the road and the good thing's happening anyway. So I, I had a friend that pulled me aside recently and he just said, you know, I've always loved your preaching, but something has happened in terms of, I feel like you're more honest than you were before. I'm not sure I, I am. Maybe you just get older and you, but you have less to guard, right? Right. And um, and hopefully people have that sense as we've kind of backtracked into these are simple things, mm-hmm. but the rhythms, the muscle memory, right? It's like golf. Don't play golf with me because if you see my swing, it's gonna mess up your swing. Like you're gonna just watching me swing the club could mess you up so i have to tell christian look the other way while i swing because you don't but because we do that that we grew up i grew up at least and a lot of the do as i say not as i do right and it just doesn't work we learn to do what the people did in front of us and if we do it well hopefully yeah hopefully some of that's paying off and there's a part of that kind of in in the role of memory and remembering, I think it's really important. You know, there's, there's one side of it, like for, for me and for my wife, both, like we both had parents that when we were teenagers and going out with friends, they would say things like, remember who you are. And we're like, remember you represent our fit. That was big for my dad. Like you're a representative of our family, but there are some other things that you, that, that you don't want to emulate. 
right? Even and memory functions in that way too. Like I was actually talking with my mother about a friend of hers. This just happened this morning who said she didn't want to go to therapy because she didn't need someone to bring up stuff from 25 years ago. Mm. Right. And I said, the problem with her thinking about thinking about it that way is that she's already bringing up stuff from 25 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) She's just unaware of it. Like she's playing all that out. And like the way that human beings are wired, like we are working out our memory and what we remember, whether we're cognizant of it or not. And the better path to help is to actually be cognizant of it. Like I remember when this happened and this was bad or this bad example, like one of the great gifts my parents gave me, which we've tried to give to our girls is like, we never hid anything like any story Hmm. from people that we know, Hmm. like, like this person did this, they had this, they did this to their spouse or we never hid anything for one, for there never to be any questions about whether we were telling them the truth. Yeah. Right. And two, because when you see people's stories, which is why you and I teach so much with stories, when you see people's stories, like you get to see the outcomes yeah. of, and you start piecing those together and you're just like, oh, there's a, there's a thread here that people who make these kind of decisions end up here. Totally. And these people who make these kind of decisions yeah. end up over here. And I want to bank those, right? Yeah. Um, I, w- I want for me and for my children, for our community to know, like, I've got pattern recognition skills because of the stories I've heard and what I remember about what's happened before. Totally. And- it, it's why what I told people at the West Side this weekend, right, is, is that this preaching act that we do, the best example I've found is is uh, recently watching this full swing documentary on Netflix, mm-hmm. right? And there there's this great relationship between the caddy and the golfers the caddy's gino right and and he's he's his best friend he speaks really honestly and there's something about that caddy relationship like our job is to help carry your bag we're gonna make things easier if some of the what we tell you would be helpful but also we've got pattern recognition and we know like it's gonna keep breaking right every time i mean the ball's gonna break right when you do this this is where it ends up and we just keep telling that story over and over again. Hopefully, it helps us not make the same mistakes for all of us over and over and over again. I, and such a key part, both like of that kind of relationship and the beauty of memory is that you don't go through life alone. So, so the actually one of the best things is to sit around table with people and someone to go like, I don't remember it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And like to invite you back into honesty, if you can not be defensive about that, it's like, that's not actually the way that happened. Like you can look around like our culture and our country and the denial of events that are in our memory that have been documented. Yeah. And when you start to lose that, when you start to lose memory, that's probably why I've been spent so much of my life interested in history is like, man, like, um, if you just pay attention to our collective memory, what actually happened, you're in such a better place to make decisions going forward. Yeah. Um, because, you know, people are people. Our struggles are our struggles. Um, if you, like if you and I, if we only preached about money, sex and power forever, 
we would knock out 90% of what human beings struggle with. Right. Yeah. Um, and the reason I know that is because I can read history and I go, Oh, the problem here, it manifested this way, but yeah. it was about money, marriages, businesses, friendships, you name it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They fall apart in those, yeah. Yeah. in those places. Yeah. When we, we think about like, like I'll tell people, I know how I'm doing. Right. Based on when I sit down to a meal, how fast I eat. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause if I, if I'm eating fast, that means I'm generally stressed. Um, I'm on the move. I'm not really enjoying the moment. Like when I slow down and I go, I taste and I breathe, I'm, I'm in a better place. I've also learned that when my story feels overwhelming to me, that I sleep differently. Like, because we're, we're all processing our stories, right? I'm remembering even when I'm not conscious and my stuff is coming up in my sleep. And so for me, literally, if I'm stressed, I grind my teeth. I don't sleep well through the night. I wake up with bad memories. I've learned as I've gotten to a healthier place in life recently, I sleep like a baby when life is good. Like mm-hmm. I, I wake up and go, ah, oh, I love my, I love my life. I put on music in the morning. I find myself kind of dancing around and feeling like I've got some pep in my step. And it takes me a while to realize like, oh, because I woke up at peace. Right. right. So just allowing people to realize what we've been saying is you're processing your story. You're remembering the good, the bad, and the ugly, no matter what. Mm-hmm. What happens, we think, when you come to an ecclesia small group, per se, and you start to actually voice your stories you get a couple other people that engage that story. And hopefully they do what you're saying. Like, hopefully we do it respectfully and not, we don't have, you don't have to call everybody a liar. Right, right. But you do go like, hey, that's not how I see it or not how I remember it, mm-hmm. right? We had a pastor that you know that I was close to for a long time who used to just tell people all the time, like, I read a book a day, you know? Right. And I knew he didn't read a book a day. <laughs> so finally, I was just like, you don't read a book a day. Like, right. you got to stop telling people. He didn't stop. Like he kept telling people, but you're like, you may read a comic book a day, but you don't read a book a day. And there's something about being in a relationship with people that keep you honest. Right. Yeah. And spouses should be those people. It's like, Hey, you don't get to lie. Like, like, right. Like right. I'm going to do it gently, but mm, that's yeah. yeah. You lost your temper. Like I did. No, no, you really, you lost your temper. I had a, a buddy who, uh, who got shot at on the beltway recently. They shot out his window road rage but as the story develops like he honked right kristen's always telling me not to honk at anybody and now i, I probably, get to, i get to say probably need to, to listen it, the first version of the story is like i didn't do anything then it's like well i kind of honked and i might have raised my hand a little bit right and you're like we don't know which finger on his hand we're not sure exactly but right. something happened right as you start to and you just want to be with people that are going to invite you like okay tell me a little more of the story right. like a little more of the truth so hopefully this series has done that for people. You know, you said that about small groups and this is why it's so important to be in committed relationships with people is that the more we find out as important as, as memory is, the more we find out is that it, we're not that great at it, right? The individual's not that great. So what's really helpful is to have corporate memory. And it really is like, whether it's with a partner or with a child, with a parent to be able to say like, I don't remember it that way. And like, let's kind of like work that out together. Like, do you remember that? So um, I remember giving a, giving a talk at a a big conference, maybe like in 2014, something like that. 
And I was telling the story about something happened when I was a kid and I wanted to get it right. And I remembered all the trauma of this story. So I called my dad, who was like key in the story. And he said, oh, that's mostly right. But then he gave me, because he was an adult and I was a kid, right? Totally. <laughs> um, this bigger context of what actually was happening, which made that so much more, actually made it more meaningful and fuller, even though it refined my memory. And by refined my memory, I mean. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like no, that didn't ha- that didn't happen. And like, there's something actually beautiful about like a partner being able to say like, I don't remember it that way, yeah. or do you remember the last time this happened and you got upset about this, 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 this? But it's also very, um, there's this piece about it, like, because I will wake up because I grew up in Mississippi, like very poor when my parents were young, um, so I have a lot of financial anxiety. Always have had a lot of financial anxiety. But when you have those moments when you go, oh, I'm going to look at the arc of these now 48 years, right? Totally. And be like, God is always taking care of us. Yeah. Always. And like when we least expected it, when we didn't know what we were going to do, where like it was like literally like money now has to fall from heaven, God, for us to meet our commitments. And you walk out to the mailbox. This is literally has happened in my life. And someone probably from our church has left an envelope with cash in it, right? Like, God is like, I remember that. And so like, when I'm sitting at my desk and looking at taxes and a kid in college and, you know, wife needs a new car and all this, like, you know what I know right now? God's always taking care of us. Totally. Well, it'd be a great place to land this. So, you know, as you follow up, finish this podcast, for everybody just to pause and look at the whole of your life, right? And where are those places? And the beautiful thing of when we do that, right, is that the times we were happiest were not when we had the most or we had the least stress, right? It was often when we were fulfilling what God made us to do. We were loving people well, we felt really loved. But feeling loved and having, you know, a lot of money in the bank don't always go together, right? And they they intersect in unique ways and remembering when we look at the whole of our story, it just builds our faith, right? It just reminds us like, I'm here, I've done hard things before. Yeah. And our family, we have to remind each other all the time, like you do hard things, you can do hard things. We go, yeah, I can, I can do hard things. And I'll do another one tomorrow and another one on Thursday. And hopefully I'll do some easy things at some point. <laughs> but right now, yeah, there's a few hard things. Absolutely. So I think mostly we're just grateful we get to preach at Ecclesia and I get to engage people. I have a friend that started coming to church out of nowhere, who uh, I knew not from church circles, that just keeps telling me like, you know how unique this place is? Like, I don't go to church and I'm here because I just, I'm captivated by who these people are. And um, we may forget it. People watching the podcast may forget it. I hope we don't. Um, We're surrounded by amazing people and God loves us and has blessed us. And I'm glad we get to do it together. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or you can also see the videos and subscribe to our channel over on YouTube. If you want to get connected here to the community at Ecclesia in Houston, feel free to check out our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org. 
Next week, we're going to continue our series on worship as we talk to Paul Pelk and Matt Broaddus, our two worship leaders at our downtown and Westside campus, about music and how we integrate music into our worship experience, both individually and collectively. So you're going to want to make sure and check that one out. We'll see you next time.